The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, it's good to uh, <clears throat> good to say with you. So. Silence and noise. We uh, live in a very noisy world, realm, and of course the blessings of technology, but the ways we drown in it. And so much of technology has functioned uh, primarily to scale greed, hate, and delusion. And um, we're kind of drowning in information, but can't make much sense of anything. Line from... uh, Jennifer uh, Egan's novel, Candy Candy House. Um, She says, um, knowing everything is too much like knowing nothing. Without a story, it's all just information. It is um, very, very easy to lose the plot, the plot of our life. It's very easy to uh, take on the kind of prevailing values of the moment of the context and um, and when we're when we're pretty happy when things are going okay, our things can be kind of fun, yeah things we often take to be important, they can be kind of fun. I don't want to dismiss that. But when we're unhappy, when things are breaking down, almost nothing matters except the heart. There's just zero consolation from ownership. When uh, there's not wisdom, delusion fills the vacuum. So maybe we we know the experience uh, experiences like like we have on retreat, especially maybe a little little whirlpool of suffering. Yeah, the day is going all right. We're doing our practice, whatever. Like okay, there's a whirlpool. And we get spun out about whatever. And uh, and on retreat, you know, the blessing of retreat, the blessing of continuity, you get to see how little that the, the kind of house of cards we built, we get to actually see the collapse when the house of cards that seems so meaningful, the story that seems so meaningful, we get to see a collapse and we, we see how little it actually meant. Right. But um, some whirlpools are 
10 minutes long and some are 10 years. Is that from a poet, uh, David White, um, said, some years ago, I found myself working with a room full of particularly thoughtful managers. We were looking at all the ways humans find it necessary to sacrifice their own sacred desires and personal visions on the altar of work and success. Out of this, a woman wrote the following lines. She read them slowly from the back of the room, unaware how stricken we all were by the silence she created. She said, 10 years ago, I turned my face for a moment and it became my life. It's possible for that to happen. And it's possible for us to wake up. And so we ask the question, how do we um, keep from losing the plot? How do we uh, remember? And we, uh, we take our counsel from death. I am of the nature to age, to become ill, to die. There's nothing I can do to escape this. Okay, okay, take it in. The kind of remembrances, yeah. We take it in and we see what in our mind holds on and what lets go. We see what falls away. And so much of what we do in our life, in the busyness, kind of, it maintains its momentum only in light of immortality. We tacitly are assuming immortality. It's the only way this little thing matters. Because if I knew in this moment, yeah, this thing ends, the view would be different. So we bring the contemplation to the surface, not to scare ourselves, but to sense into what we care about, what will matter, what would make life feel more complete more complete, because even if we were to live carelessly for a thousand years, it would not feel like enough. It would not feel like enough. It's almost like the image I'm having is the the kind of the hungry ghost with the huge belly and the tiny mouth and trying to get sustenance, you know. And maybe we're like that with life, with time, you know. What would make it feel like enough? We, we ask ourselves uh, this question. Saw this interview with, uh, with Roland Griffiths, who's a psychopharmacologist at, at Hopkins. And I, I knew his work long before he got famous for doing um, 
psychedelic research. He's a kind of drug, uh, you know, abuse liability researcher and very uh, kind of well-respected. And um, I didn't know, long-term meditator. <clears throat> and then... Um, Then got into um, uh, psychedelic research, and um, it was um, quite sad to see he was recently diagnosed serious aggressive disease. Uh, and um, saw an interview with him, and he says uh, the interviewer says, um, "You talk about your cancer almost as if it's a gift. Does that mean you don't have any regrets about what's happening?" And Griffith's response was, my life has never been better. If I had a regret, it's uh, if I had a regret, it's that I didn't wake up as much as I have without a cancer diagnosis. It's been incredible. So, to live in alignment with uh, our with our deepest uh, values, what we care about, it takes something powerful, nuclear powered, really, to keep remembering, and it takes um, takes energy takes re- wisdom, renunciation. The, the Buddha famously described anger as having a honeyed, honeyed tip and poisoned root. And um, in this life, there is a lot of honey and a lot of poison. And how do we remember that the honey is tied to the poison? Yeah. How, how do we not be conned by what doesn't matter? We recall our death. And there's something about that contemplation where I I can almost just feel like the energy draining out of the defilements. And it just feels like too much to nurse the dense stories or old resentments or the envy or divisiveness or whatever. It's just like, okay don't have time for that. And so maybe maybe what I'm saying is that uh, what's been said a million times is that death helps us let go. It helps us let go of fake refuge, fake happiness. Death, of course, is a letting go, right? We're 
in a way, in each moment we practice, we're practicing, uh, practicing for the enormous letting go of death. Each time we surrender to imperfection, each time we uh, stop coping, each time we open to a certain kind of helplessness. We're uh, practicing dying. And uh, in a certain way, rehearsing our own death, both as a preparation and as a uh, a way of clarifying what's going to count. And in the wake of that kind of surrender, the, the, the detente with the first noble truth, uh, the Dharma makes a lot of sense. Death helps the Dharma make a lot of sense. So offer this for your uh, consideration. Please uh, pick up what is useful and uh, leave the rest behind. We were speaking one-on-one. There's no way I would say exactly all of this to each of you. So we each need to wade through the words of others to find uh, what's useful.